Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Here's our dear friend, the one, the only, and we're blessed, Dr. History. <laughs> Good morning, Zeb. How are you? You know, I've already said happy birthday tomorrow, and, and as I've already told you, I will never be as old as you. Where's my present? Uh, oh, well, just keep watching. It's in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> keep watching. <laughs> I don't know when it's going to get here. but No, uh, it's been ordered from a company in Taiwan. Exactly. <laughs> okay. yeah, slow boat. So yes. what's going on in the world of history? Well, I'm going to talk about two people, and I'm going to bet most people have heard of a good uh, an Indian chief by the name of Cochise. Oh, absolutely. But how many people have heard of a guy named Tom Jeffords? Probably not so many. You're really hitting me with one I've never heard of. So let me just read his uh, tombstone, or yeah, his uh, grave marker. It says, Thomas J. Jeffords, 1832 to 1914, friend and blood brother of Cochise, peacemaker with hostile Apaches, 1872. So I'm going to talk about these two guys and their lives, uh, how that intermingled. Now, Cochise was kind of known for being... Uh, sometimes kind of tre- uh, treacherous, but sometimes very generous. I thought that was Geronimo that well, was the bad guy. Yeah, but Cochise was kind of both ways. Really? Okay? For example, he had a friend named Tom Gardner, uh-huh. uh, who once was a close friend of Cochise, and he was carrying provisions to a mine near Tucson with uh, a buddy of his, and they saw two Indians coming towards him. Well, he recognized Cochise, and who made the peace sign. Well, Gardner was riding a nice horse. He stopped. Uh, was it the peace sign or half of the I, peace I sign? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They made a sign. Well, when he recognized Cochise, uh, Gardner was riding a nice horse, and they stopped to talk. And Cochise uh, uh, raised his rifle, fired, and hit Gardner. Uh, shot through the body. Cochise and the Holy other Indian, they left in pursuit of the horse. Gardner was actually taken uh, to Tucson where he recovered, so he didn't get killed. Okay, so th- now that's one side. Okay, now in another incident, a guy named William Kirkland was running a lumber camp at Santa Rita, and he was attacked by Cochise and a band of Indians. Cochise uh, did not, told his men to not kill Kirtland, but they ordered him to cook for them. Cook a meal. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. He shoots the guy. No, no, not this guy. Kirtland didn't get shot. No, he didn't get shot. Oh. The other guy did. Okay. So Kirtland is kind of taken captive, and uh, Cochise orders him to cook a meal. Really? So here's what he says. Kirtland he says, I didn't know I could even cook. Uh, but well, I bet he learned in a hurry. But he said, I found that, a cook pretty, that I cooked pretty well. He slaughtered an ox, roasted it, and fed them at his own table. When they finished eating, the Indians just kind of left quietly. So that's kind of two sides of COVID. There wasn't any thank you? I don't know. Did they leave a gratuity of 15%? Probably not. I see. Now, only Tom Jeffers, that's the guy we're going to talk about, and Cochise became blood brothers by intermingling, and it says supping of the blood from each other's arms Uh! in the mystic ceremony of the Apaches. (laughs) Oh. Now, I had heard of intermingling the blood, but I didn't know about that other Yeah, in the movie Josie Wales, uh, they cut their hands and shook. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, uh, uh, Jeffords traveled in and out of the stronghold at will, and he became known as Shikashe. That was his Indian name, or it stood for brother to the Chiricahuas. Was Jeffords a white guy? Yes, yeah. I know who it is. I just figured it out. Yeah. 
Ah, Broken Arrow, the TV series, was named after him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, the mail came through with no trouble as long as Jeffords was in command of the line. And as a pledge of affection, Cochise presented Jeffords with a beautiful constructed rifle, which the captain treasured until he died. And although there were frequent skirmishes later on between Apaches and soldiers in which Jeffords actually led some of the army, nothing ever uh, came between their relationship. Now, Jeffords uh, must have noted with amazement this uh, really is kind of a fortress of the Chiricahuas. For 12 years, ever since Cochise was actually betrayed while he was talking with a young army lieutenant named Bascom and taken prisoner, this Indian leader had ruled over this uh, vantage point and his braves had become kind of the scourge of the territory. They, you know, they just did whatever they wanted to. Really? But in this kind of fortress, the, they had granite walls as high as 1,500 feet, and this offered protection for the Indians. This is where the Cherokee was. Right, right yeah. And uh, it offered protection against any Indian enemy, and his principal stronghold was in the Chiricahua Mountains near Cochise Head. Now, I'm not exactly sure where that's at. But the army was facing a warrior who knew every trail, canyon, and crevice for hundreds of miles in any direction. Cochise ruled the territory all the way from Tucson and Pinos Altos as far south as he wanted to go into Mexico. His braves could travel this land on foot and we've talked about this before, 75 miles per day over the roughest terrain. On foot? On foot. And Cochise had a very reliable smoke signal system. I I heard about that. Yeah, Yeah. and he uh, could... 75 miles a day on foot? Right. I just can't hardly... You can't make it 75 feet from the car in here. I know. But, you know, the U.S. troops, they were too slow. They were too thinly spread out. They were often helpless. And only once had they actually scored against the Chiricahuas. And this was at a place called Apache Pass, when a greatly outnumbered and facing sure defeat a detail of army troops brought up a howitzer. They blew holes in the Indian ranks and oh. killed quite a few of them. Oh but the Chiricahuas were completely demoralized. But Cochise merely changed his tactics. And what he would do then, he just sent out smaller and faster raiding parties and continued doing what he did. Now, the Grant administration, uh, which, according to my article here, says notorious for its blunders in dealing with the Indians, no, they were. became yeah. desperate. And in 1871, they sent General O.O. O. Howard, who was a one-armed hero uh, of the Civil War, to Arizona Territory. And he said, you've got to make peace with Cochise. Well, General Howard, known as the, quote, Christian general, Mm -hmm. and probably the first officer in the Southwest to use any common sense in dealing with the Indians, heard of Tom Jeffords, who was a guide for the cavalry troops stationed at a garrison in New Mexico. So he sent for him. So he wanted to have somebody helping him out here. So here's what he said. uh, Will you take me to Cochise? And he says, are you willing? And then Jeffords said, are you willing to go there without soldiers? And he said, yes, if necessary. He said, then I will take you to him. So that was the, the rules. Okay. Now, Cochise. Uh, was he knew where to go. Yeah, he knew exactly where to find him. So Cochise, greatly distressed by his diminishing number in his ranks, was he was at this point ready to uh, talk peace. And he was a wise and a great leader, and he could foresee what was coming that his people were going to be wiped out. So uh, I've got to ask you a quick question. I know you're shy on time. What was the relationship between Cochise and Geronimo? Uh, 
they they kind of work together somewhat. And I'm not sure exactly how that relationship went. But, yeah, they were part of this whole thing, too, as well. So, anyway, Jeffords must have known uh, what an impression it would make on Cochise for the general to come alone, as Jeffords himself had once done. So to go in there alone would be an impressive thing. Well, they were escorted toward the stronghold by a guy named Chi, who was a young chief and nephew of Cochise, and another Indian named Ponce, whose father was a subchief. Now, Jeffords, Howard, and a small detail had left the New Mexico garrison with the two braves, and when the party was within 100 miles of the stronghold, the two Indians began announcing their approach by smoke signals. Really? Now, this is 100 miles away. 100 miles? Yeah. So, was that done by Yuma? Uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure where this... I should have looked on the map to see exactly where this took place. But anyway, two days later, all except Jeffords, Howard, and three personal aides turned back to New Mexico for the next 70 miles. Wow. The peace party proceeded alone, stopping only for food and water. Now, upon arrival at Cochise's camp, Howard was told he must wait 10 days while a council of chiefs was called. There must be nights spent in con- consulting the spirits. Although the treaty depended solely on Cochise's agreement, the meeting would be a great challenge to Howard's ability to talk to Cochise. They didn't really have anything to ensure their safety, no, did they? No, no. And but they were relying on. He was relying on Jeffords being uh, a friend. Yeah, friend and diplomacy. Yeah. Well, the. You know, and the Apaches had some really good reasons for their distrust of the white men's treaties. Sure. So they remembered how Mangus Colorado, the great chief of the uh, Apaches, had met under a flag of truce with California reserves on the way to the Civil War and had been brutally murdered that same night. So you can see why Cochise was uh, nervous. And then another uh, occasion, the, they called it the Old Camp Grant Massacre in 1871. Now, this was kind of a Pearl Harbor for the southwestern Indians. Now, this hung heavy, too, in the hearts of the Chiricahuas. The Aravapa Apaches, a friendly tribe which had vi- voluntarily come down to make his peace with the white men, there was a party of about 146 white men. They became enraged at the Apache at an Apache raid, and they failed to distinguish between good and bad Indians. Well, they moved uh, down to this old Camp Grant where the government had given protection to a tribe of these Indians. Well, it was a terrible slaughter. They killed over 108 Indians, oh most of which were women and children. Oh sat. So again, you see why. Cochise was pretty nervous about well, any kind of yeah. uh, uh, a treaty. Well, uh, and then these guys that killed all those, uh, they rode back to Tucson feeling quite successful in their revenge. But the responsible citizens were enraged at what happened. President Grant heard the news. He threatened to bring Tucson under martial law unless the guilty members were brought to trial. But the feeling was so strong uh, among the settlers against the Apaches that he only took the jury 20 minutes to free all these defendants, so to speak, that had killed, massacred those Indians. Mm-hmm. Again, a sad, bad yeah. deal. So so Cochise, you know, must have related uh, his own bitter experience with the Army to General Howard. And this was happened to him in 1856. He had made his peace voluntarily with the white soldiers, riding down to Fort Buchanan and promising that he would not bother the white settlers and that he would even protect them. What year did you say that was? This was 1856. Well, how come we're going back in time when you were talking about 1872 and 1876 uh, a little bit ago? 
That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, this happened prior to all that. Oh, this this right. was something all that right. took place right. uh, several years prior. Okay. okay. Uh, so in 1861, uh, this young lieutenant named George Bascom, uh, he was sent to locate a missing Mexican boy. And Bascom invited Cochise and several of his subchiefs to a talk in the lieutenant's tech, uh, tent at Apache Pass, then demanded that the boy be given up. Well, Cochise, he was kind of mad at this. He said he tried to explain that they did not have the boy, but he would willingly help to try to find him. So Bascom placed them all under arrest. Now, remember, he went in there voluntarily. Okay, well, he placed them all under arrest. Cochise quickly escaped, but was wounded by some soldiers. Six of his warriors were detained. Cochise immediately captured four white prisoners to bargain for their release. Now, so the angry Chiricahuas killed their four prisoners. The six Indian captives, three of them relatives of Cochise, were then hanged by Bascom. Oh, so see how this goes back and forth? It really with, turned into a mess. Yeah. So now it's 12 years later, and Cochise could wisely see the old... The old ways are going to come to an end. Well, the terms of the treaty were more surprising to Jeffords than Jeffords than anyone else uh, concerned. The stronghold and the surrounding mountains would be reserved for Cochise's people, and Jeffords would become their agent. Uh huh. Now, uh, he. Um, and he would he agreed on two conditions. There would be no political interference, and he would have sole jurisdiction over who could enter or leave the reservation, including the army. That's what Jeffords said. I've got to have complete control of this reservation. So he controls who goes in and out. All right? So... Um, no, now it's November 1872. General Howard appointed Jeffords as the official Indian agent. His jurisdiction was over actually the largest reservation in the Southwest. And knowing Cochise, he had a little doubt that he could trust the Indians. And But it, Jeffords, it was the settlers in the Army that he was kind of nervous about, as based on past experience. Well... Many people were amazed at the control over the Chiricahuas that Jeffers had, and he relied on Cochise's strength alone, the old man now in his 70s, and Co- Cochise, and he ruled with an iron hand. And his restless warriors, uh, whose way of life of raiding and fighting had been stopped, and Jeffers was fair, but he was stern. Uh, he was the only white man the Indians were afraid of. Be careful how you talk about people in their 70s. Yeah, I know. But... Jeffords could make them do anything, and they behaved when he went after them. So he was well-respected. This guy really was the epitome of being caught in the middle. Right, but honest and fair. Yeah. Now, an incident occurred. A Mexican boy was taken by several braves on a raid into Sonora. So Jeffords took possession of the boy and brought him to the agency. Uh, Cochise discovered that many of his braves were being blamed for the friction caused by other Indians coming into the reservation. And soon, Cochise himself was soon rounding up renegade warriors and returning property to their rightful owners. So they were working together. Really? Yeah. Now, a great thorn in the Indian-white relations was Cochise's refusal to make peace with Mexico. Now, long before the Americans came to the territory, there had been a lot of friction between the Apaches and the Mexicans, and there was terrorism on both sides. No one knew really how that all started, but it had been going on for years and years and years. Now, over a year had passed since the treaty with, treaty with General Howard, and there was no complaint from Americans, but there was 
constant uh, complaining from the Mexicans. Uh, the Indians on the Chiricahua Reservation made it a business of just going down into Mexico and raiding every so often. But even then, the seeds of another broken treaty were being sown. Uh, Howard may have been too generous that too many Indians other than Chiricahuas were on the reserve and that it was entirely too big for one agent, Jeffords, to handle. Now, uh, there were also some lighter moments to the job of being Indian agent, and Jeffers, lighter. Jeffers okay, <laughs> visited Tucson quite frequently. Now, Jeffers was pleasant to be around. He had quite a sense of humor. He was the handsome, quote, handsomest man in Tucson, quote, so remarkably good-looking that people turned to look when he passed. So a lot like you and I. Uh-huh. Yeah. So in June of 1874, Jeffords was told by Brave that Cochise was gravely ill. Rushing to the stronghold, he found his friend near death, didn't know what was wrong with him. Jeffers decided to return to Fort Bowie for medicine. Before leaving, Cochise asked him, quote, Do you think, Shikashe, that you will see me alive again? Jeffords replied, No, I don't think so in keeping with the truthfulness that had always been between the two. And then Koshi said, Do you think we will see each other again ever? And Jefford said, What do you think? Uh, kind of surprised at the question. And Koshi said, I do not know. It is not clear in my mind. But I think we will somewhere up there. Wow. Now, isn't that an interesting wow. statement? Now, were there Christian influences on the Apaches? You know, I don't know. They, th- there was always a higher power, you know. Well, I know that, but yeah. did they, a lot of times, the influence of whether it was uh, various factions that came across the West uh, tried to preach right. Christianity to the well, Indian tribes? It, they did, but I don't know how well it was uh, received. But, but they did have that higher power exactly, belief. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeffers left, and Cochise, uh, predicting the time of his death, died the following morning, and he was dead when Jeffers returned with a doctor that day. He passed what, away. What, what was the cause? They didn't know. It was uh, when Jeffers got there, he didn't know what was going on. Approximately, did they know his age? Or well, he said he was about seventy by now. I see. So, so he was getting up there. But yeah. anyway, following the Apache burial ceremonies for a chief, his warriors killed and buried his horse, along with all his worldly goods. Now, upon Jeffords' return, the braves pointed to a grassy mesa and said this was Cochise's final resting place. Um, the Indians on horseback rode back and forth over an area of several acres until it looked like plowed ground. No one except those present and Jeffords would ever know where he was buried. And that was done uh, among the Indians where they sometimes they would bury somebody and they did not want them to right. be dug up or right. found. Right. Now, Cochise's oldest son, a guy uh, by the name of Taze, he was about 22 years of old, uh, age and um, he'd been selected as the new chief. Cochise's dying words to his people were to find Jeffords and, quote, so long as they obeyed Jeffords, they would be a happy people. 
Well, the Apaches moved to the agency, and at the end of 1874, Jeffords reported that they promptly obey instructions and have not been off-reservation. They are peaceable, healthy, and contented. Now, it's not exactly clear what caused the final break, but some claim that in 1876, against Jeffords' orders, two white men sold whiskey to some of the Indians who got in a bad way. They ended up killing the whiskey merchants. Well, the government ordered the Chiricahuas to a San Carlos reservation, in Arizona, and a lot of the younger warriors objected, and they bolted, they ran, and later joined up with Geronimo. So that's where Geronimo came back in. Now, let me, uh, we're out of time, but I want to just interject this. Back in the 60s, and you should remember this because you're old like I am, uh, but back in the 60s, there was that TV show, Broken Arrow, that yes. featured the Indian agent Tom Jeffords and Cochise. Yeah. So there was a TV series that really did go after history. Yeah. So, you know, well, that's pretty much the story. Uh, Jeffords uh, saw that there was a double cross with the government, obviously. Uh, and he, uh, in fact, it was said of Jeffords that uh, as Indian agents go, they said they were all crooks except Jeffords. Wow. And he died at the age of 54 in 1880. Er, yeah. At 54? No, wait a minute. No, no, no. I'm sorry. No, he died in 1915. Um, he must yeah. have been an old man. So he was 83, actually. 83, says, yeah, yeah. At 83. Yeah. But he was... He had integrity, he was honest, he treated him right, and... And was everybody well else on the outside really caused the problem. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good story about Coach East and him. Yeah. And uh, I, I thank you for putting that on. That was you a bet. good one.